0: And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag H-I-T-S-M and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of Health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. A lot, lot, of news for a, a summer, which you know, summer news doesn't happen that much.
1: <laughs> no, normally this is like a quiet time for the industry, but uh, yeah, this year we have got some pretty major news happening right out of the gate. Uh, it, you know, in the summer, which is which is odd to see. Yeah, um,
0: kind of fun for us, though.
1: <laughs> it is. It makes it, <laughs> ma- it allows us to have a really fun podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, first of all, biggest headline. I think it's it's. Uh, I don't know if it was surprising or not surprising, but certainly a big shakeup. And that, of course, what I'm talking about is the news that Hims has sold off their conference to Informa, which is a company that specializes in running large industry conferences. So, John, what's your take on this news?
0: Well, Informa's trying to eat the world of conferences. Uh, that's. You Know they acquired uh Targus, which was a, another private equity backed uh organization that ag- acquired a bunch of conferences. So Informa's uh, you know, kind of become a, a big organization. They have the HCP conference, they have uh Healthcare Dive, they have uh, Bio World, they have Arab Health, they have you know a lot of healthcare conferences. So, in that regard, it makes sense why Informa would want Hims in their you know in their you know, organization and it's part of their conferences. So that's not a surprise, Uh, you know, and and HIMSS, you know, is, you know, I I think has been suffering from the COVID debacle that was, you know, canceling the conference two days before everyone was flying out. And so, you know, HIMSS had kind of been reeling and I, I think had been kind of wondering what is their future and what is, you know, what do they want to focus on? So it's not, a huge surprise that HIMSS is looking at changes and what do they want to do. Uh, what's interesting for me is that they'd sold the conference, but HIMSS is still going to be very involved. So Informa is going to do a lot of the organization, probably will use its you know power of how many conferences to be able to negotiate good prices with different venues and things like that, which I think is a, is a powerful thing because him's probably lost all that negotiating power going from a 50, 40,000, 50,000 person conference to, you know, 18 maybe after COVID and now trying to get back to 30 to 40 is according to their numbers. I think they say about 40. Um, So anyway, I mean, I think that's where you look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, it makes sense to sell that off. And, you know, one thing that people haven't understood is they haven't sold off their smaller conferences, which are run by HIMSS Media, largely, and HIMSS Media is not being sold yet. So Healthcare IT News and Moby Health News and all that, they're not being sold. So, you know, what does the future look like for them? that That's an interesting question as well.
1: Yeah, certainly for those, you know, us we're at this year's conference. I think we all get the sense that something needed to change. Mm-hmm. I got to be honest I didn't think it would be something this big. <laughs> they couldn't afford
0: carpet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's but, the running joke. <laughs>
1: it, I just, you know, it just could you could almost feel it in the air just talking to people was like, "Hey, something needs to be different." Um, uh, you know, we've run this formula back many, many times now. The the conference was a lot smaller and I don't think it was related to COVID, right? It was just that people weren't finding value. So, you just kind of got the sense that it needed to be different. Uh, this is very different, right? Like selling to a company that, that specializes in these large conferences um, is a pretty bold move. I got to give uh, credit to to Hims. <laughs> you know, it's pretty bold <laughs> to do this. And you're right. What, what was interesting was what wasn't going with them. Like it was just the conference. It wasn't HIMSS Media. Um, it wasn't some of these other pieces. So Hims itself is, in my opinion, it looks like they've gotten out of the large conference business um and you know maybe perhaps that was a recognition of the fact that it was occupying so much of their time and yet wasn't generating revenue or frankly uh, being that helpful to their members anymore and so why have this giant event that takes up all of your staff's time for basically a whole year to plan it uh when when the value was declining um you know Mm -hmm. at least in terms of the feedback they were probably getting from their members you know, and, and instead, I think you know what'll be f- interesting to see is how much focus they now put on their advocacy, right their reporting, the, the anal- analytics right and, and hims media. I'm kind of interested to see how that will pan out over the next uh, 12 to 24 months.
0: Yeah, I'm not even sure that the conference was declining quite as much as what you just described. Uh, I think I think a lot of vendors were still getting a lot of value. Uh, there were certainly many that were questioning it <laughs> and, and weren't sure, and, and there was still a lot of scars from the cancellation that you know some trauma that people were dealing with. So I think there was that, but you know, for me, I think it was. I think to your point. It needed some fresh eyes, you know. It needed some fresh organization to be able to compete with the vibe and and health of the world that are going over the top with their production and and, and all of these things, right? And HIMSS had made some efforts. We talked about that on previous episodes. That you know, like they tried to do some different things, having the dog park and having the you know the three sixty camera and a few things like that, right? To kind of freshen it up a bit. But it it really needed a fresh you know start where Hims could say well that's Informa right and Informa could say we can try some different things because we're not Hims. Uh, you know the, the number one request I've seen uh, from people is oh does that mean that the speaker submissions going to become easier? <laughs> you know? And it will be interesting to see <laughs> does Informa hear that from all these people and say oh maybe we'll have a you know a more streamlined approach because it, it is an intense process that Hims puts you through. Um, And so, you know, I'm interested to see how how that plays out. Um, But I think it's interesting and it will be, you know, like, as I understand it, Hymns members will still get a hymns member price to the hymns conference. Informa said they're not going to change the name from the hymns conference. You know, we'll see if that's true two years from now, three years from now, but at least for now, they're said, why would we get rid of the brand? We're keeping it, right? Uh, you know, hymns members will probably still get some exhibitor benefits, right? In how they select. So you look at it and you're like, well, is that any different? Right? <laughs> like, what is different? And I think what is different is. Probably HIMS gets some more cash to do what you just described, which is can I beef up our advocacy? Can I beef up our education, our certifications, things like that, and be more of an association in that regard?
1: Yeah, it's a good point you you bring up. And I probably should have qualified what I said before, but um, you know, I think you're right in the sense that there is still value in the Hymns conference, right? Mm-hmm. And and to me, what this news signifies is that the value that Hymns sees out of the conference is not the exhibit hall mm-hmm. right it it is the stuff around it it's the it's the speaking it's the engagement it's the new in networking it's uh, you know, all those kinds of things that happen around the exhibit hall versus the exhibit hall itself. Because I think that's where Informa can bring more of their uh, expertise, right? Is, is how to run a, a show like that and and how to maybe get it back a little bit more to being a show where there is actual sales being generated as opposed to partnerships and and those kinds of things. Because let's be honest, right? Like we, we've we heard for years that HIMSS was not the place that to land new business. Right, it was more yep. a place to further business that was already in your pipeline. It was maybe to network. It, it was much more about business Partners. development. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So you know, just looking at other Informa-based um, conferences, they really put an emphasis on lead generation, which I think is is a good thing. I, I think it'd be great for for that to return to a HIMSS conference because then I think people would get even more value from it, or or maybe back in the meeting for these days, <laughs> they'll get some value like that.
0: Yeah, and I think Informa will bring a fresh perspective because, I, you know, this is just my feeling is that many of the people at Hims, which ironically, a lot of them left. So I don't know how this even plays out for some of the current regime, but it was like they kind of took for granted what they had, I think, you know, because it was the boat show that everyone went to and there wasn't anything else. And then there's something else came along and they're like, oh crap now what do we do you know like and so you know when you're that the market leader you can take it for granted and you know and, and you know not try some things like you said to drive new people that need to be there but where I'm sure In informa is going to focus on that right and right. and driving the right people to the event.
1: Yeah. And, you know, we, we we put a lot of focus on health and Vive, of course, but there's also shows like CES, right? That has a much bigger and growing uh, healthcare uh, segment. Yeah, uh, South S- by Southwest. South by Southwest. <laughs> yeah. Like, there, there's not just other industry events, it's like just general uh, consumer level events that have gotten more and more into healthcare. Not to well, mention user conferences,
0: right? Like, exactly. I mean, think about the Epic, Cerner, every HR vendor has a user conference, even other ones. I just saw an Interlace conference, Waystar's doing a user conference. Like, you know, everyone, seems to be doing it so you know that's a competitor as well
1: so so john what what do you think we're going to see or what changes do you think we're going to see or not see at hymns 24
0: so i actually think hymns 24 is going to be business as usual (laughs) like i don't think we're going to see many changes it's going to probably be the you know the hymns that we've known for a while. Maybe a few things dolled up here or there. Maybe we'll have carpet. But you know, like I I don't think I I just think Informa doesn't have enough time before hymns 24 to effect massive changes. So I actually think hymns 25 is where we're gonna see the bigger changes. And and I think that to me, the question is gonna be, how does hymns perform as part of this agreement? Because I assure you that you know you talked about him seeing the value of the conference or not seeing the value and where is it growing? I'll tell you Informa sees it. Informa sees that they could double it, right? Like they could grow it and they could grow the revenue. Otherwise they wouldn't be doing this investment because Informa is not doing this as a charity. It's not a nonprofit. It's private equity that says, I want to take this and I want to double its growth. And what could I do to do that? Right. And so, you know, there—that's where I think it's going to be interesting, but it probably
1: won't happen until him's twenty-five. Yeah, I agree with you from from a from an attendee and frankly from an exhibitor standpoint. I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of changes by twenty twenty-four. Yeah, they're it's already just, paid, right? They're already <laughs> the paid. Uh, like- the layout is what it is, right? No one's suddenly going to get a bonus of an extra 10 by 10, right? Or anything like that. Like that, that's not going to be happening uh, in 2024. Uh, I do expect to see a lot more uh, push from Informa people at HIMSS. Like, I think well, there's going to be sh- like a. F- a full court press of like all their salespeople, all the logistics people talking up like what 2025 is going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> or like. And and I think there'll be a lot of communication from Informa as we get closer to the show to talk about 2025. Because I think legitimately some people are going to be a little bit concerned. Like if I was an exhibitor, I'd be like, okay, well, what is going to change? Like, all, are all the points going to go away that I've built up over the years? Am I? Are there going to be even more restrictions on the exhibit hall floor for me next yeah. year? Like it's good questions. All the... All these kinds of things. So I think I think if I was Informa, and given the fact that they've been so successful with other shows, I just expect to see a deluge of communication and uh, signage at the show in 2024 around what they're going to do next year. So, um, but yeah, I, I think most of the changes, as you just mentioned, is probably not going to happen until the following year.
0: Yeah, someone raised an interesting question: Will Informa take it, you know, out of the current cycle of? Vegas, Orlando and Chicago if uh, they're not too angry. Uh, you know like uh, my answer is well that prediction would assume that it gets smaller because if if it gets bigger which is what informa is likely to push th- what what other choices are there? <laughs> right. I don't think there are. So
1: no uh short of running it in multiple places right like you know where you could do like kind of like the la one where it's spread out over like 16 different venues yeah right? could they
0: do it twice a year and kind of split it that would be interesting <laughs> yeah,
1: those are those would be kind of fun and and i you know i, I think informa that's all on the table for them right i i, I think they would look at all of that and say oh, yeah, we, we should do a fall and a spring right and 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 then we can go to new orleans again and we can go to you know denver again right because it's it'd It would be a smaller event, but now twice a year.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and lots of events do that. They do the, you know, East and West or whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, to drive that. So, I I mean, man, that would be a brave decision, I think. Uh, But it would be really interesting and would open up a lot of other venues. You know, I mean, who wouldn't want another hymns in uh, San Diego, right? Oh, yeah,
1: (laughs) it is. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hunt. Today, we're talking about the HIMSS conference news and other hot headlines from this past week. Today's episode is brought to you by Sway Health, our sister publication that's focused on news and stories from the world of healthcare marketing and patient experience. Head on over to Sway, that's Sway with two A's, dot health, and check out the videos, podcasts, and articles that are there. So, John, moving on from the HIMSS news, uh, On a recent healthcare unfiltered podcast, um, the American Board of Internal Medicine, ABIM, had um, some pretty controversial or or provocative comments (laughs) that were made on on that particular podcast around uh, whether or not doctors should have hobbies that they work on and whether ongoing certifications by associations are actually that effective in ensuring quality. What's your take on, on that story?
0: So my first take is that social media kind of ran with the provocative comment and twisted it a bit, which is no surprise. I mean, that's what social media does. You know, if, they, if there was actual news people that covered this, they would have run with it this way, too. Uh, you know, but his his comment when he on, you know, if you listen to the entire podcast, did get twisted because everyone twisted and said well doctors shouldn't have hobbies and and doctors are obviously kicking back and saying uh, you know i'm a runner and i'm still a great doctor right <laughs> you know i play tennis and i'm still a great doctor you know which obviously i think we all understand is it can be true but the way he phrased the comment was actually that you know in order to ensure that people are staying abreast of what was needed that's why they needed ongoing certifications. And his comment essentially alluded to some people are so focused on their hobbies and spend so much time on their hobbies that they're not staying up to date on what's needed to you know, maintain a level of understanding for your board certification and for your understanding of the board. So yeah, like I said, I think they twisted it a little. The, you know, he didn't say doctors shouldn't have hobbies, which you know obviously would be salacious, and he wouldn't say that. he he knows that's not true, right? But he, you know, what's interesting is he is right. I mean, I remember working with a doctor who all he did was look at travel blogs, and he had travel buddies, and he'd plan his trips. And he never did his notes. He had hundreds of notes sitting there waiting to be done, and he'd be, but he'd be off just looking up trips and what what his next trip would be. So you know, like this stuff does happen, right? Like where your hobbies, your your interests distract you, because of course that's more fun than than staying up to breast, you know, on the latest drug that came out. So his concern is a reasonable one, you know. But then the discussion of Are the ways that these associations and these boards, you know, ensuring certification, you know, they have an MOC that they do that they talked about on the podcast, is that the best way to ensure that people are staying up to date with the the best knowledge? And I think that's actually more interesting, the debate than do, can doctors have hobbies?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I mean, after you explained, uh, you know, the uh, the story to me, it was you could tell that social media had kind of glammed on to that one little comment and kind of twisted it a little bit. Um, I, I thankfully have not had the same experience where there was a doc who was more focused on their hobbies than on keeping abreast of things. But, but I have to say, as a patient, I probably wouldn't have known the difference. Like, I, I really don't know if, uh, a doc if a doc is keeping up with the latest news or not. Um, Mostly because I think in today's world, if you're that involved in your care, you're probably bringing it up to the doc anyway, like to 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 say, "Hey, listen, I saw this study. You know, will this apply to me? I heard about this drug on TV. You know, does it work for me?" <laughs> right? Like, I, you know, I I think docs in that sense are kind of forced to keep up to date because their patients are getting much more informed. Um. So, so I'm not sure it's fair. I guess to to the to your point, I'm not sure it's fair to say. That they can't have hobbies and then they should be 100% focused on just keeping up to date on the latest news and happenings in their field. Um, I just think naturally through what happens day to day in their practices and in their work, they're they're probably keeping up already. Yeah. Um, so, but we, but you're right. What was more interesting was the comments around whether or not certification is effective is an effective way to ensure that docs are are up to the level that their associations believe they should be. And I think one of the comments that was made by the guest was that it's actually not very effective.
0: Yeah. Well, and what's interesting about that is like hobbies... I do make doctors better. I think you know, like it's the same for employees, right? Having some hobbies, you know, actually distracts your mind and frees your mind to be able to focus when you're at the job, right? So, so I actually think that that discussion is is pretty clear, and we've seen that in other employment studies, right? That hobbies are good. It's good for you to get out of the office and not work, you know, fifteen-hour days, right? Like it actually freshens your mind and lets you be more creative and more thoughtful, etc. So. But to your point, that's so fascinating to think about. Like patients, of course, have no way to know this. But why would we expect patients to know it when the boards don't even know? Right. Right. And I think that was the point of the guy on the podcast. He's like, can you show me any data? That proves that people that pass your MOCs or that you, your other ongoing CEUs or whatever it is that, you know, these boards do, can you show me that that actually shows that those people understand and, and are good doctors or better doctors? And and that was his point is like, there, there aren't any studies. We haven't done the studies. We don't know that these things are more effective. It's just theories. And his theory was, that's just a way for you to make more money, Right. It It is not actually a way to ensure that, but you use this overtone like, yeah, well, this is going to help ensure this as a way for you to make money, even though we have no studies that prove it. And so that was the argument, right? It's like, and I've had this question, you know, a few times, Like, how do you measure the quality of a doctor? I, I, I don't think anyone has done that in, in any association or any board or any, any of those ones, because it's really hard to do.
1: No, it, you're right. And you know, uh, I. You know, uh, your comments are valid, and I would add one more thing to it as a as a former professional engineer, uh-huh. um, you know, we, we had the same uh, thing here where I, in order to keep my license, I had to, you know, make sure that I, you know, passed a test every so often, or that I, you know, did so many X number of hours of learning. Right. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you, like in the last few years of me keeping that license, I wasn't really, I'm not a practicing engineer by any stretch. And so I would not put myself in the category of a good engineer. And yet I was licensed, right? Yeah. Um, now they've changed the rules to make it a little bit better. But you know, part of the reason, and it was interesting because it came this came through some of the hearings that happened around this. Um, part of the reason why there is this testing is to reassure the public that mm. it's a little bit of a PR move hmm. to, to say, okay, well, you know, because engineers are trusted with building buildings and building cars and those, we have to have at least a little bit of reassurance to the public that these people are you know, up to speed on the latest technologies and latest, you know, and and in my opinion, I think market forces are much more powerful. Like if you don't, if you don't keep up with the latest technologies, latest techniques, you're just not going to be employed. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No one's going to hire you. But, but, but it is sort of a little bit of PR. And I I could see that, like, I could see that, Hey, I'm a board certified X. I mean, that means something. And and as a, a, without intimate knowledge of the field, I would go, Oh, well, thank goodness someone is looking over this.
0: (laughs) See, and I think the guy on the podcast would have argued, yeah, well, you're doing PR, uh, you know, you're not insuring what you should be insuring, right? (laughs) You know, it's so, so we're paying you to do PR for us, right? Like do doctors need that?
1: Right. (laughs) I, I don't know if that's true. It's an interesting one for sure. Let's get to the last one, John. Um, some headlines that have crossed my desk certainly, and I've seen more and more of these uh, every day. And that is the lack of uh, M and happening in the healthcare IT side, and lack of investment, like just a, a drop off of investment in this space. What do you make of of those headlines?
0: Uh, you know, I I think this is kind of a, a repositioning, right? It's a it's a resetting of the market. It, it, it had gotten so overblown. And it was so hot that the, the valuations that happened made it so that it wasn't reasonable. And, and, and that impacts both of these, right? It impacts the MA because the valuations and the fundings f- that created those valuations made it so that they couldn't be acquired. So now you have to let them run their course where they either become unicorns and then they do create that value and, and live up to the valuation that was created, or they become disasters and then the companies that have cash can come in and sweep them up at you know b- bottom barrel bargain prices right because the valuation was so screwed up so you have to let that time play out for the MA to make sense either with the growth or with the failure that then they just okay they're writing off the investment and you know then they then they'll sweep in and say okay well we'll buy it for less than the you know the investment so so you have to let that play out and then on the other end the investment side, it got so overblown with the valuations that now all this venture capital money is sitting back and saying, we need the market to reset and come back down so that people have reasonable expectations of what valuations should be. So I think that's what we're seeing. We're still seeing investments, right? I mean, there's, they still need to spend money. And when they see a good opportunity, it's still happening, but they're waiting for the reset, I think.
1: Yeah. I. I... I'm not surprised at these headlines, right? Just given the general uh, economy where we are and the situation we are, it's it's not surprising that we're pulling back on, in, uh, or sorry, VCs and investors are pulling back on their, on their and uh, dollars flowing outwards. I'm not surprised that M and A uh, is declining right now because if I was going to be an acquirer, I you know the longer I wait, the better price I get. Right? Like yeah. you're you're sort of in that decline. You can buy the same
0: thing in a year for half price. Yeah, that's...
1: <laughs> exactly. So I'm not surprised that these are happening because valuations are coming down. And I agree with you. I think valuations in general were. M- you know, super inflated over the last few years, especially in healthcare, as we came through the pandemic, right? Because there, there was instantaneous demand for certain things. And mm. and if you weren't that familiar with the market, you might have assumed that that level of demand would be sustainable. And it obviously, it turns out it wasn't for a number of reasons, not just because when COVID was over, we reverted back to our old practices, <laughs> but but also because no one could have predicted that easily, the huge jump in operating costs, right, for nurses and clinicians that mm-hmm. have suddenly happened. And now hospitals just aren't spending money like they were even before, even though their volumes are maybe back. Um, but I, I have to wonder, you know, has VC money learned their lesson in the sense that healthcare returns are not measured in one or two years, like yeah. healthcare returns take like five Decades. to 10 years to come yeah. back. And do they have the appetite for that? So I'm wondering if, whether or not the investment level is going to come back anywhere near what it was before, because maybe, maybe people finally have realized, oh, like, yeah, this company has still got some good things going on, but man, I got to keep pumping money into them for like five years before they get to revenue generation.
0: Yeah. It feels like uh, there's a Netflix special in there with some of the overpriced valuations that happened during COVID. You know, you think of telehealth and the way it exploded, and and that they didn't understand that it was going to drop. You know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it feels like there's uh, stories there just waiting to be told. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't think we do go back to those levels. Uh, you know, that there was a a certain vibrancy that was happening that I, that I don't see happening again. The exception might be AI. You know, like, let's see what happens with AI. Could I see another, you know, spike in investment because of AI? Uh, But, you know, the more I look at it, the more I think the big players are going to be the winners in AI. And so, you know, I don't think we will see that VC You know, spike in investment in AI the same way that we did with some other things because I think it's going to be the big players that are going to be the real big winners with AI. Uh, Sure, there's going to be a bunch of small companies that leverage the big players, but these are going to be you know, hundred million
1: dollar companies, not billion dollar companies. Well, I mean, I think for the for the sake of all of the folks that who listen to this kind of uh, episodes, I hope that it comes back. (laughs) <laughs> and I think they're hoping it comes back. More money, <laughs> and, and, and I think it will. I just think, you know, given what you just said, it will be in more specific areas, maybe like AI. And I also think that uh, there'll be smarter money coming in. I think that the money that will be invested will be tolerant of the longer return timelines, right? There won't be, hopefully, as much pressure to produce a return in 18 months, right? Like um, in healthcare, because that's just, that is a little unrealistic.
0: Yeah. No one's done it. You need a decade
1: you go. There you go. Hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. You can find more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag i I'm Colin Hong, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.